Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we try to figure out exactly what mix of strategic, tactical, and emotional approaches are needed in order for you to find the right role in your career. Because remember, at the end of the day, what we really want is to do work that we're proud of. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and I'm excited to introduce our guests today. Please welcome Tina De Silva and Ali Bob to the podcast. Tina works as a global media lead for one of the world's largest consulting companies. Outside of work, she is a fierce food allergy mom to two tiny humans and runs a food allergy focused blog with her husband, Adam. She is affectionately referred to as the witch concierge amongst those who know her affinity to helping out those around her. Allie transitioned out of her successful 11-year career in landscape architecture and project management last year. She took a sabbatical, worked with wellness professionals, and embarked on a healing journey to address burnout and health concerns. Allison is currently working as a software implementation specialist and project manager. Together, they are the co-hosts of the Soulful Streaming Podcast, where they have eye-opening conversations with the wisest minds to help you build a deeper connection with your mind, body, and soul. Today, we flip negative thinking on its head and ask the question, what is the best that can happen instead of the worst? And you'd be surprised at how big of a difference a small mindset shift can make. If you're curious about how to make more time in your life for your job search or hobbies, interested in overcoming imposter syndrome, or struggling to find balance between being and achieving, this episode is for you. So strap in and get ready for this conversation with Tina and Allie of Soulful Streaming. All right, so fun to have you both here. Thanks for your patience. Uh, as we kick things off here, I was playing around with our topics since we chatted, and I think um, there was something that was mentioned of, um, you know, taking a look at things and, and asking what is the best that can happen uh, versus what is the worst that can happen, because I do feel like in the coaching world and with the people that listen to this show, a lot of times they're focused on, oh gosh, if I network, what's the worst possible thing that's going to happen? If I apply to this, what's the worst possible thing that's going to happen? And uh, it really can can work against a lot of the goals that you know we're trying to have by living a good life. And so I feel like a lot of the things that we talk about today will come back to that concept while also getting into your ideas around social streaming and, and everything like that. So thank you so much for joining today. Thanks, yeah, for, having thanks for having us. Uh, so the first thing I'd like to do is have each of you introduce yourself just real quick so we have a, a three-person podcast today and uh, also let us know how you two met and what was it that clicked when you first uh, you know saw each other from across the room do you want to start yeah that's a, that's a deep question to start with um <laughs> Jan Zara um co-host with with Ali of um the podcast social streaming um Ali go ahead and introduce yourself then we can chat about a how we met. Yeah, I'm Allie, co-host number two, neighbor number two, soul sister number two. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. We're we're neighbors. Yeah, we moved we moved a house away from each other, and you guys moved in 2015, mm -hmm. and we just got to know each other and bonded over several, you know, similar life paths that we took, and 
our kids hang out and just got closer and closer. And, you know, we became like co codependent on each other during the pandemic. We were all yeah. part of a little pod and, you know, like they say in the business, the rest is history, right? We just became so close and talked a lot, read a lot of books, share a lot of insight with each other and yeah, just clicked. Yeah. Well, that's really fun. Cause I think, you know, when we look back at something like a pandemic, right, it's so overwhelming from a societal standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, from just the, the toll it took on individuals, mental health and everything. But there were also, you know, silver linings in there. And, you know, you two getting closer during the pandemic, I think is one of those examples of that. And you see that all over the place, you know, this shift towards remote work, this shift towards, um, you know, employees standing up for themselves and like wanting a little bit more autonomy and a little more control over their lives at work, right? And so we, we sort of see all these, you know, that's kind of the beauty of life. It's this difficulty and the positives that come from it and that back and forth between the two. And as we think about that, um, it really brings up this, this concept that, that we talked about before jumping on about imagining what the best is that can happen versus imagining what the worst that can happen. And it's something that comes up a lot in people's careers and in people's lives. And I know in, in the work that you do, you know, you really do have to think, well, what's the best that can come out of this conversation? What's the best that can come out of this experiment or this creative um, approach or these fun, you know, uh, approaches or, or mental shifts that you're taking to building a soulful uh, life and, and this idea of soulful streaming. Can you explain what soulful streaming means uh, to each of you and, uh, and why you went with that for your podcast name? Sure. Yeah, um, for me, uh, well, well, both of us really, I think would have the same answer that we identify it as a state of flow. Um, so for me, that could mean being in my creative flow, finding my voice, uh, talking about topics that I'm super, super interested in. Uh, anything really that lights me up uh, is what I define as soulful streaming. And I'll echo that. I mean, what Allie said is about what really lights you up. And Allie can vouch for the fact that when I'm in that state of flow, and I'm sure your listeners can agree, it's like time just passes quickly. I specifically talk very, very fast when I'm in a state of flow because the ideas just come to you, keep rolling with it. Um, and you know, the, the podcast in and of itself, I think, and I think Ali, you totally agree with this, is that it we're giving folks a, a platform to learn from others so they can get in that state of flow. So it's, you know, the silver lining of the pandemic, right? I think to a point where we were unable to do what we were accustomed to doing, um, the extroverts that we are, and we had to all go a little bit deeper within ourselves and everything that we've learned you know, over the course of staying at home and taking care of ourselves in different ways, we were able to birth this beautiful thing of social streaming that just, uh, I don't know, hopefully it's, hopefully it's helping others kind of get in that state of flow as well. What have you found are some of the things that are, that get in the way of flow, get in the way of soulful streaming? Mm -hmm. What, what, what about life and work and, and these identities that we place on ourselves, uh, you know, creates little bumps in the road or hiccups or, or roadblocks? Hmm. Children, <laughs> <laughs> creating time and space, right? T. Um, yeah, yeah, just just really carving carving away space and time for you to tap into you. I would say. 
And I think it's also like the, the, I think it's the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and who we are supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. There is this linear pathway that I think you are expected to take. Now I work in the corporate world. I've been in the business for, I don't know, 16, 17, 18 years. And there's an expectation of you go to school, you figure what you want to do. You're in college, you get that first job and you climb this proverbial ladder. And I think sometimes we get in our own way because of the expectations of society, our families, our friends, ourselves, we tell ourselves that this, this is the story we should have. And yes, kids and yes, time and yes, all that comes into play, but some of that thing is just ourselves getting our own way. So Martin, back to your first question of like, what if something good happens? What if something amazing happens to the host that we had in our show, uh, second, second episode, Geraldine, the great Geraldine. She asks, encourages her clients to ask themselves, what if something amazing happens? And that energetic shift that those simple words provide, it's pretty profound. So Mm -hmm. I feel like we've really, really tried living into that. And we've heard from our listeners, they're living into it as well. What are some examples of how that's shown up in each of your lives? Hmm. I I have a specific example while working with Geraldine, actually. Um, It was a matter of, and and I'm just going to short version this, but Um, when I made the decision to quit my career, there was a series of decisions that led up to this specific decision. However, she offered me that and it was just really a matter of like, okay, well, what if I quit in 30 days versus quitting in five days? Like, what if I give myself some time and space to get there? Um, and you know, what about that meeting with my boss when I have that? Like, what if what if the world isn't going to fall apart when I leave, <laughs> right? Um, so it, that was that was my specific use of it. But it does we find ourselves referencing it um, from time to time in life. I don't know if Tina, you have any specific examples, but that was mine for sure. I use it at work pretty regularly. Yeah, like I use it at work to frame up the start of any big meeting I'm going to have. Like I will say it out loud. I will tell the team, I know this is a tough project we're gonna get into. It's gonna be challenging, it'll be fun, but what if something amazing happened with it? And I think even just uttering those words, again, changes the energy of where the the team, the tribe, where everyone's headed. Cause it just gives, you know, it gives people a different way of looking at it. Um, I mean, usually with my seven and five year old children, they're nervous about going to school. Like, what if it's amazing at this school today, guys? I mean, you can use it with grownups and the kids as well. So again, it's just, just again, we're, st- we're it helps us reframe the conversation and reframe the stories we're telling ourselves. Yeah. Why do you think we're so stuck in this, um, you know, worst case scenario thinking in, mm-hmm. in life? Uh, why, why are we all so trained on that way of looking at the world because I mean what you're doing is so interesting and you're exploring so many different avenues to try and find this flow and find these new ways of approaching life and it almost seems like you know you get to a point and you're like oh I have to start really working at this I have to start building my life around this rather than just trying to like thumbtack it here and there right or duct tape a solution together Mm -hmm. Um, and and it kind of is unfortunate that this isn't something that just sort of is ingrained early and often. What do you think? Uh, what do you think created this sort of um, lacking mm. mindset or, or worst case scenario thinking in in so many people in in the world? 
I think there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> it has, it truly has become sort of a neuro, uh, like a neuro pathway, right? And uh, Tina and I are, I would say we're a little bit, we're, we're twin flames, but we're also like anxiety sisters at times, especially during the pandemic. Um, but, you know, the question I'm interested in is like, when you really drill down who are you at a human level, <laughs> right? Like, who are you when you're not seeking or finding or, um, I hate the word climbing, but you're, you're seeking your purpose, right? And um, who are you when you allow yourself to just be, right? And what does that look like? Does that mean, uh, you know, are you... Are, do you know the sensations that are going through your body when you have a meeting coming up? Is it nervousness? Is it anger? Is it resentment? Is it excitement? Um, and what does that feel like in your body? Um, and I feel, I feel there's a disconnect in our world. Um, and I think that there's a lot of, a lot of reasons for that. Um, but I think the answers are a lot simpler than we think. And That's I don't, really I, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I love it. Anything to add there, Tina? Yeah, I think when you, I think, I think everyone to a certain extent is an empath. I think we all can take a lot in and feel a lot. And I think we're conditioned with, you know, we're have our phones, we have the TV, we have the news, everything that's going on. I think you're conditioned at a very young age to be aware of a lot of the negativity that's going on in the world. And I think with that, also the competition, keeping up with the Joneses, all of that, that I think just comes into how humans are raised. But to mm -hmm. Allie's point, so I think that conditions us to think, to, to always want more, strive for more. You know, everyone literally gets a trophy. Everyone's rewarded. I feel like there's this, there's this continuum along, along the pathway of life where you're conditioned to strive for better. And I think a lot of the folks, I'm sure your, your clients can resonate with it as well. Like, you're always looking to improve, but the question is why? And be mm -hmm. mindful of the choice of words of improvement. Mm -hmm. So I made a very, very conscious decision within the last year, because I'm always trying to improve or get promoted or do this or you know, attain that or win, whatever that might be. And it's like, but for what? You know, to, and, 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 and really to, to what end? So I think when you take a step back to Ali's point about who are you at your core, but also the question, the verbs that we use about what we're trying to achieve or get, or be, you know, why can't you just focus on being to Alex point? Mm -hmm. It's not about improvement. For example, my, my word this year has been expansion. Mm -hmm. And I've lived into that word so much this year and it's resonated more with me than any other word I've chosen in previous years or goals. Um, because expansion does let you be so. Yeah. And I would, and I would offer up grace meeting yourself where you are in that exact moment, exactly where you are. Um, I feel like we don't give ourselves enough grace. I like these ideas of grace and expansion because it's more of how you are, how you're feeling, how you're being, right? And everything that you're talking about here. Um, and if we think about, you know, the audience that we're talking to right now, people that are really trying to achieve, really trying to grow, you know, maybe they're in a job and they don't feel like they're getting enough of the right responsibilities or they're not 
um, getting, they've maybe plateaued or there's like some different things happening, who knows? And uh, they want more money or they want more responsibility or they want more, who knows, prestige in their career. You know, if we, I think their fear, right, is, well, if I stop thinking in this way, if I stop wanting things and achieving things and, you know, looking at that next milestone, that next milestone, the next milestone, then I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to have any motivation. I'm not going to have any drive. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to achieve what I want to achieve. Right. Yeah. And so there becomes this counterintuitive thing when we try and do this, some self-improvement where it's like, well, you don't want to achieve you don't want to focus so heavily on achieving, but you also don't want to fall backwards or like fall, you know, to into a place that you don't want to be. And I think that that's one of those balancing acts that's maybe a little counterintuitive in some of this type mm -hmm. of work, right? And trying to mm -hmm. balance those scales in a way, or, or at least understand them in a way that doesn't cause so much friction. How have you sort mm -hmm. of you know, wrestled with the push and pull of the two kind of polar mindsets that, that you're working with here? Oh, Tina, I feel like this is a good one for you. It's a struggle, but mm -hmm. I'll offer up a piece of advice that one of, um, one of the coaches that I worked with has shared, um, that really resonated with me. Um, cause I'm constantly chasing the next thing because chasing does bring me joy, but it is also does bring me to a collapse at some point. Um, and like, imagine you're a surfer in an ocean and you're, you're swimming out to the waves and you're just swimming, looking for that next wave. But at some point it's okay just to, to, to wait in the water and wait for the wave to come to you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll, what you'll see in the vast beauty of the ocean will mean so much more to you than hustling for the wave. So it's a little bit of hurry up and wait but only you and to your early point, Allie, like the whole full body, it's, you know, yeah. like I ask myself before anything I do now, I pause and say, is this a full body? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I've heard several people say this recently. I feel like it, maybe that came to me, like from a Glennon Doyle podcast with Natalie Portman on and a couple of other folks have been saying like, the whole full body. Yes. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? So mm -hmm. I had to train myself to figure out, cause I run, I, I run to every single mess of the map. I run to ideas cause I get excited by them. I'm excited by other people's energy. Mm -hmm. But I had to slow myself down and be like, okay, T, is this, where are you feeling this? You know, when I feel it in my gut, I know that it's right. When I feel it up here and it's causing me a little tornado up in my head, um, I'm like, eh, it might not be right. So be able to discern what's, what really matters to you and why, you know, why are you looking for that next promotion? Why are you looking for more responsibilities? Are you just trying to get more validation? Like, what are you really trying to achieve with, um, these goals you set up for yourself. And again, like feeling it in your body, it's hard to do, but once you get into that pattern, it's pretty fascinating because mm -hmm. your own intuitive intuition kicks in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I would offer up celebrating along the way. I think celebration, well, one of our, one of our shared teachers, um, Steph Jagger, who was on the podcast recently, but um, she told me that without celebration, you suspend your initiation. So if you're on the cusp of getting to where you want to go, usually you're pretty challenged <laughs> in that moment and challenged the hardest, right? So creating celebration, whatever that means for you, doesn't necessarily have to mean going out and having drinks or whatever, but just honoring that milestone or honoring having a good day, light a candle, 
you know, create a ceremony if you want to. Um, but if you don't, you're just robbing yourself and you're just going to think that you're behind. You hit the nail on the head with that feeling of feeling behind, right? I think that that might be the core feeling that everyone listening is dealing with is like, well, everyone else is at this point in their career or everyone else is at this point in their lives or everyone else is achieving or doing. And of course, we never have the whole picture. We don't know what people's lives look like unless we're in the room with them. And even then we don't, right? And so both of these things that you're tossing out here are, you know, I think the way I've heard it is fuck yes or fuck no, right? It's like, how do, like do I want to see this person again? F yes or F no. Do I want to work at this company? F yes or F no, right? And then what you're talking about as well of celebrating along the way, I think that's where people really fall into ruts in their lives and in their careers and in these things that we're always trying to achieve because we do put in so much effort to get that promotion or put in so much effort to get that job or put in so much effort to quit that job or whatever the thing might be. And at the end of the day, when we achieve that, we just set another goal. And, and it's one of those things where um, I always think about that graph, right? When you set a goal, it's this long, you know, difficult thing to get over to the goal. And then once you achieve the goal, by the time you've gotten there, it's really hard at the start. And then it gets easier as you get closer to the goal. I think that's how it, I should picture it. And then as you mm -hmm. get towards the goal, it's easier and easier. So you go, well, this isn't that hard and this isn't that great. And I don't really deserve to celebrate this at the end. So you set another goal. Mm -hmm. And by the time you've mm -hmm. achieved that goal, you've got another big thing to focus on. Right. And so what yeah. ends up happening is we never stop. We never celebrate. And I see this in work all the time where, mm -hmm. you know, almost the reward for doing your job really well is just more mm -hmm. work to do. <laughs> there's like, mm -hmm. there's not really ever, it's like, yeah, I got it done early. Okay, so you can do other things faster. Oh, damn it. <laughs> You're just sort of stuck there, right? And so celebrating along the way. So what are some of the ways that each of you take time to celebrate maybe with the podcast or with your lives or with your families or with your work? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll offer up even, even this alternative little suggestion and trick that I, I got from my, uh, my therapist actually even on your lowest day, say you had a terrible day, computer wasn't working, energy was off, even at the end of a bad day, right? You can still grab your journal and you can write down three things I did for self-care care today. Did I cook myself a healthy meal? Yes. Did I go for a walk today? Yes. Did I spend some time with my kids? Yes. Okay. Now add to that three affirmations about myself. You know, I really am proud of how I handled myself in that difficult meeting, you know? Um, so I think, I think it doesn't necessarily have to be some big celebratory win, but just kind of playing with your mind and reframing things in every way you can is so helpful. Um, and yeah, we try to celebrate. We try to get together. Uh, we try to call it out, name it, right? Name it. I'm so proud of us, right? I can't believe we did that. I can't believe we booked that guest. I can't believe that conversation. Oh my gosh. Right. I can't believe we got invited to be on our first guest podcast. Yeah. Um, naming it. Yeah. It's, it's important, right? T. Yeah, it is. And Allie calls me out because I'm terrible, terrible at celebrating any success. And I think a lot of it has to do with women and specifically, and the, you know, the folks that I've worked with, I feel like we, we downplay success. 
Yeah. Is it because we downplay our worth? Is it because imposter syndrome? There's so many, you know, so many things I personally experienced along my career path. And I've had an awesome career and great mentors and, you know, great bosses and people that have, you know, held me up and, you know, people that I've learned from. Um, but I've always had a hard time. It's like, oh, it's fine. It's, it's good. Yeah, it's no problem. It's like, well, no, actually it's a big deal. Like own it and celebrate. Allie's made me recognize that I don't do that. Um, but again, you have to question yourself as to, as to what's the why. But for me specifically, in terms of how I celebrate, um, I celebrate by giving myself some space. So you, you brought up, you know, you achieve it and then, oh, you get more work or you achieve it and then you're, you've given more responsibilities. But I've been very cognizant about setting up certain buffer zones with my success markers and making them minor, I should say, making them more micro celebrations, right? Mm -hmm. So I will, to Ali's point, like at the end of the day, like what did I, what do I feel like I did really well today? And what am I really proud of today? But then finding, give myself the space for a long run in the morning or whether it's journaling or whether it's yes, online shopping, because who doesn't love that? Finding ways that just buy myself a book. And as Ali will tell you, getting real deep into a topic real fast. Um, but just finding those little moments to celebrate because we don't need those big celebrations. It's just about recognizing yourself and honoring yourself for who you are and who, you know, what you've overcome or what you did. And I don't think we do that enough. Yeah. Like that. And it really is this journey from, you know, the negative perspective on everything to the positive perspective on everything. And one of the things when I'm working with people in their careers and their job search is everyone has this really negative view of the job search. They have a negative view of themselves during the job search, a negative view of the process, a negative view of everything. The only thing they have a positive view of is these companies that they think are incredible until they get into them and then they don't like them anymore. Yeah. And then- right. What's so funny about it is like, uh, one of the things I always say is I'm like, I'm not even trying to get you to positive all the time. I'm just trying to get you to neutral so that you're not negative. Like I, I would, mm -hmm. I would be happy if everyone was just neutral about the job search versus how miserable and imposter syndrome and all the different things that pop up and just the mm -hmm. pure insecurity mm -hmm. that arises. And so, you know, it really is this journey of like going from negative self-talk to maybe even neutral self-talk to then even better than that positive self-talk. And I like what you're putting out here because these moments mm -hmm. don't have to be big. They don't have to be huge. And I do think sometimes we even interpret good things as negative. It's like, well, I did that thing, but I didn't do it enough. Or I, I did go for a walk, but I didn't hit my step count. Or you know, it's like oh, yeah. all these random things that we just start to like, even around good behaviors, we struggle to to give ourselves yeah. credit. Have you struggled with giving, yeah. you know, yourselves or even each other credit for the work that you've been putting in? Of course. <laughs> of course. I, we, I think we both consider ourselves recovering per perfectionists on an ever long journey. Um, yeah. I mean, we are, we're definitely to Tina's point earlier. Um, you know, we've studied our human designs. We're both generators right like we like to create things we like to um feel productive um and and absolutely i think it's it's always a challenge what do you mean by yeah, human designs I, for those listening um how have you utilized human design in in your own work in your lives and in your in your duo in in how you work with each other sure yeah. Your favorite topic. Allie, dive right in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually. Code. <laughs> yeah. So 
just to give like a quick backstory, but you know, wh- one of the women that inspired us to actually hit record and start a podcast uh, read our natal charts and we did it um, as a fun thing to do with girlfriends kind of post pandemic when things were starting to open up and we did a zoom call with three, three of us. And um, it just, it really opened up our understanding into our different types of personalities and how, and how we, we blend um, where we maybe balance each other out, maybe where we're opposite. And um, these tools, I mean, you can go way overboard. There's so many, there's Enneagram, there's human design, there's uh, needle charts, there's cartography. There's, there's ones that we haven't even explored. Um, But just finding out something like we were watching the Adele concert that was hosted by Oprah. I think she won an Emmy for it. Right. And we were texting each other because she was wearing these earrings, these Saturn earrings. And then we noticed she had a tattoo of Saturn. Right. And then we looked it up and sure enough, she wrote her album about her Saturn return which is something that if you study astrology or you study your nail chart, you would know about. And um, T, I don't know if you want to riff on this a little bit more, but uh, both of us recognize that, you know, some areas in our lives when we were going through our Saturn returns, a lot changed, careers changed, relationships changed. Um, You know, it, it explains a lot of the hardships that we went through at a certain point in our in our careers, in our relationships. Um, and it happens at a certain point for ever, for everyone. Everyone has a Saturn return. Um, Tina, I don't really remember the age yeah. range again. Yeah. But- so Saturn return. So everyone is, you know, we're born at a certain spot, certain day, certain time. Yeah. And those three coordinates essentially give you a natal chart. And it tells you where Saturn was in that moment in time that you were born. Saturn comes back to you between the ages of 27 and 31. And what that means that Saturn essentially opens up the floodgates and say, all right, you got a choice to make. Are you going this way? You're going that way. Right. It's kind of choose your own, you know, those choose your own adventure books from nineties. I'm a child of nineties. So I love those books, but that's basically what Saturn comes to do. And it rips you up, spits you out, and then you're good. That's what it did for Allie and I. And it was Mm -hmm. mind boggling that moment, Saturn returned earrings, you know, or Saturn earrings with Adele, her tattoo, he looked it up. She's like, she wrote about her divorce. Yeah. This was her Saturn return. This is when she was supposed to become who she was and her, she had to pick a path. There was a fork in the road. Allie and I have similar stories in terms of our own forks in the roads. And I feel like a lot of your clientele, if you don't know your Saturn return, take a pause, look it up. It'll rock your world. Typically yeah. comes back to you like two to three times in your lifetime around, you know, 27, 31. And then again, like in your early fifties, and then again, like in your mid to late seventies, but it's different for everybody. But to back it up a sec, um, Allie and I are um, really interested in knowing ourselves, knowing your whole path and using different tools to understand who you are at your core, um, because that helps you understand who you are as a worker, as a partner, as a friend, as as any other role you play. Um, I always feel like I was a little bit witchy growing up, Um, and I was raised with, you know, spirit guides and spirit animals and leaving an empty plate on the dinner table for the souls to eat. Like I thought that was normal. Um, (laughs) and so we have these weird superstitions and I didn't realize that it was different until I was probably in my mid twenties. Um, and then when I hit my own Saturn return, I finally leaned into that even more and realized that the more, the more, you know, about yourself, the just 
the better you can be or the more you you can be, whether it's unlocking it through, you know, astrology like Ali and I have done, yeah. or we've worked with shamans or different energy healers or psychics or, you know, I read tarot cards every day. So does Ali. I mean, there's so much of that that just helps you understand yourself more. And I think, you know, Martin, one of your earlier questions about, you know, the anxiety with job searching and the negativity around it. I like the more you understand yourself and what makes you tick and what lights mm-hmm. you up, that makes the job search and just working so much easier. Yeah. And I use those practices in the office. I mean, I will do a tarot card reading before I have to make a big decision and I will tell my boss that, <laughs> you know, and it's accepted. And I love that it's accepted. Um, or I'm on the pathway to making it more accepted. So, <laughs> I love that. yeah. You know, and that's a lot about what we talk about and the different people that we bring into the to soulful streaming. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, the more that you know about yourself across different pathways, just again, the more you you can be. Yeah, this it's really validating and go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry for cutting you off there. Uh, finish your thought. No, I think I, I think it, it's obviously a hot topic right now. Right. But it it is it's 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 validating. Right. Like it's I, I consider myself a highly sensitive person, but until I did some of this work, like I never really realized that that was okay, right? Like I, I didn't realize that like, oh, I can give myself, again, back to that word grace, right? I can give myself grace because I'm in a certain situation that just really isn't in flow with with how I kind of operate in this world, right? And I think it, there's a, there can be a shadow and a light to doing this kind of work, I think that you can be very cranial about it. I think you can be very in your head about it because uh, there's a lot of information to process and there is a system to it. It's not all woo-woo, right? Um, but taking those pieces, bits and pieces of information, slowing yourself down, spending time with it and taking time to reflect on how it shows up in your life and how you, how maybe you can use these elements and these gifts to show up in your life for something like creative expression. Um, I think it can be a really helpful tool. We interrupt today's episode to let you know about Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. Each month as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions, and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum. Want to take your search to the next level? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you. Now back to our show. A lot of the struggle that we have in our careers is trying to fit some sort of mold, trying to fit into that job, fit into that culture, fit into that, you know, industry, whatever it might be. And that's definitely early on in my career, what I struggled with. I was like, you know, I was given the advice, just stay at that company for the next 20 years, your career will be great. I'm like, my career might be great, but I'm going to, I'm going to lose it. (laughs) I don't think I can last (laughs) 20 years here. Not that it's a bad company or even a bad opportunity. It's just not right. And I do think that that self-awareness is such a big thing. Um, I was chatting in one of our group calls the other day and someone was talking about how, you know, they've been an investment banker for 20 plus years and they were like, or in investments. I'm not sure if it was investment bank or a different job, but they were, they were talking about how they ran into someone they knew 10 years ago, who was also in the finance space. And now that, now that person 
was working at Trader Joe's and was the happiest that he's ever seen that person. Yeah. He's just like, I ran yeah. into this guy. He was beyond happy. He was chatting with everyone. He had his like health insurance through Trader Joe's. He had what he yeah. needed to live the life he wanted. And we, we, we all paused in the call and just went, see, it's not, the internet's not right. <laughs> the internet of this, <laughs> like, everyone has to be the top of the, the heap. I mean, the top of the heap is whatever heap you want to be on the top of. And if it's being at Trader Joe's, just live, loving your life. And, um, and what was so great about that story is, you know, this person who is working in finance is jealous of someone working at Trader Joe's. And I find that to be so interesting because you never hear that story. You never hear some career coach get up and say, you know, if you want to get out of the rat race and just chill for a bit, you can, right? You can yeah. figure yourself out. And I had another person that I was working with who, you know, again, going back to the milestones and going back to these like big goals, they really didn't like their job. And they're like, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to live off my husband's salary and I'm going to keep working and we're going to prove that I don't need to work at this company, right? And they achieved mm -hmm. that goal. But to your point about not celebrating, right? It, they just mm -hmm. kept working. They're like, okay, well, I guess we'll keep working here and put that money towards vacations. And then like, mm -hmm. they were still miserable even though they didn't need that job. And we got to this point where we were like, do you even need any job? Like you could completely stop working right now. You're totally fine. And the realization they came to is that their identity was so tied up with having a job mm. due to having, you know, a single mom and, and working since they were, you know, in childhood that they didn't know what to do with themselves without a job. And so coming to terms with that has been this like, ongoing journey. And eventually they switch to a contract role. It's almost like weaning off of working <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when you actually do stop and take the time and do these exercises and really get to know yourself, everything does become easier. Everything does become more clear. What are some of the other tools that you've experimented with to really get to know who you, each of you are yeah. in your core? I, I first want to applaud your client for, you know, recognizing that point recognizing Amazing. the why of why yeah. they need they feel they need to keep working like that when you understand the why it makes everything else so much easier right and it takes a lot of work to get to that core why um i will add though is that i do feel like the pandemic and this global pause that we were all on um while incredibly tough and you know some folks are still living living through it um the great resignation came from that Right now, everyone's talking about quiet quitting. Um, I do feel like people pause their lives and reassess their values and what really mattered to them because you were forced to. All that external stimuli that we were accustomed to having as part of the work identity was removed. Mm -hmm. Whatever perks you had to travel, whatever that might have been, you were forced in isolation for those knowledge workers who were working from home. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that was a catalyst for change for a lot of people. Um, so I want to, I just want to add that I feel like we're going to see more of that. I think we're going to see more people recognizing that, you know, that phrase, do you, are you, um, do you work to live or live to work? You know, I think that's going to come front and we'll continue to come front and center. Um, and I mean, my son wants to work at Trader Joe's. He's the one who worked there since he was three years old, <laughs> seven. Now he loves it. Everyone that's there, it's really, really happy. I think the company has a great company culture, yeah. you know, um, and their products are amazing too. Um, but I do think to your question about, you know, the tools of, 
it really is space for me. Yeah. It is, we don't really give ourselves enough space with just ourselves. I know that sounds so silly and cliche, but we're always, our, our minds are always being activated, whether it's through email, through an instant message, through social, through your phone, through the TV. But when is the last time that you've ever given yourself that true space to really think about what you want? Mm. Um, so that, that for me is my biggest, my biggest offer of advice in terms of how do you get to that point? I journal quite a bit. I write myself weird manifesting letters where I'm like, dear Tina, it's 2025 and here's what you're doing. Um, and I've done that for quite some time. Um, and I think for me, it works because it helps me visualize in this channeling of what I really want. And I put it on mm-hmm. paper and I'm surprised sometimes at the stories I tell myself about my own life or what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Um, like I'm convinced I manifested my husband. Like I wrote, I wrote about him, I did <laughs> like 10 years ago, you know? Um, yeah, so that's what I do, but Allie, what do you do? Yeah, I am, this, this conversation is getting me excited, right? So um, <laughs> I, life, during the pandemic, life literally threw me the brick, right? Using Oprah's language, right? There was whispers and then came the brick, right? So trigger warning, you know, in March of 2020, when, everybody paused. I had my first miscarriage and I was forced literally physically, mentally, uh, emotionally to halt. Right. So I, I, I feel like I started from the bottom. (laughs) Um, and I, the way I, I built myself back up, was, you know what, I'm not going to use this time to consume more social media. I'm not going to use this time to watch the news and all the crazy stuff going on. I am going to use this time to learn something. And as a result of learning something, I started to give myself time. I started to give myself space. And what came out of that was expressing my creativity I was in a creative job. I had a lot of create, creative autonomy. I came, I was literally taking blank landscapes and turning them into outdoor rooms and creating family spaces. And I had complete creative autonomy, but society tells you, you know, there's money to be made here. And I was in the job for 11 years and I was no longer in my creative integrity, I would say, right? I had a creative system that worked and worked for my clients. And I, you know, I I had some amazing people that I worked with. Um, I missed them. I missed the guys with the shovels and the backhoes. Um, But I needed time and space to, to creatively express. And, and, and to me, that was the greatest tool and the greatest gift that I could give myself. Um, And it has just expanded, to use Tina's word, into my career, into my home life, into this creative um, soul project (laughs) that we've created together. Um, So I don't know if I'm going off on a tangent here. I love it. I love what you're saying here, because it's, (laughs) it's, you know, especially what you said about the things you removed in order to make time and space. 
right? Because I get that all the time. You know, someone has a job and they want a different job because of whatever reasons. And they're like, well, when do I job search? I don't have any time to job search. And that's kind of going into that quiet quitting piece that Tina brought up where it's like, uh, sometimes I ask people, what's the least amount you can do at your job before you get in trouble? And I always tell this story of like one person was like, well, I'm putting in 120% and I'm not really getting recognized for it. I could probably put in 80% and still get away with it. And they started doing that. I mean, how do you measure that? I don't know, but that's how they felt. And they got called into an office a few weeks later and were given a promotion for doing such a good job. So, you know, I think a lot of times we don't even know how much effort we're putting in or like what the expectations are. But I like what you said, it's like you removed you removed the news, you removed social media. And that gave you, on average, I think people spend, the, the numbers are people spend about three hours a day on social media and YouTube, yeah. if not more. Um, and so that's three hours right there that you could read a book, you could talk to a Huge. friend, you could build a podcast, you can express yourself. And it does seem that often the things that don't pay us, or at least don't pay us initially, are the things that give us the most growth and benefit and reward. And I think you're seeing that with soulful streaming. And, you know, I look back to the first experiments that I took where I was like, all right, I'm commuting two hours a day, uh, two, two to four hours a day, two hours each way. I'm stressed out at work, but I'm still going to try and do something on the side. I'm still going to try and find some sort of outlet. And the reason all of us are even talking today was because I was giving an elevator pitch class, came home, got into the elevator, was talking about elevator pitching. And then Tina was like, oh, you have an elevator pitch. Let's hear it. And I had to do it on the <laughs> elevator <laughs> to Tina, who I'd never met before. And like that kind of stuff is crazy to me. And like, I- I'm so mean. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny though, because, and you worked in advertising and I was like, oh my gosh, this person like really knows what's going on. And so like, <laughs> like, this is just the funniest thing to me where it's like, you know, if I had just been focused on my career, and just going to work and coming home and eating and going to bed and doing the same thing over again, you know, all I would know is the people that I worked with. All I would have connections with in the world are the people that, you know, I see in the cubicle that I was sitting in, right? And so these are the things where it's like, wow, we really can open ourselves up and we can find the time to open ourselves up and learn about ourselves if we can quiet down some of this noise, has it been difficult yeah. for each of you to quiet that? I mean, obviously you have lives, families, and so many other things, but like, what has it been like trying to make that space? Have you come across any difficulties or pushback from your environment in trying to do that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember that your elevator pitch, but I, Oh, that's I, so funny. It's such a vivid, a great story. Right. <laughs> um, so I have a least favorite and a favorite question that people ask me all the time, which is how do you do it all? Because mm -hmm. on paper, I have, you know, I lead global communications for a, a big consulting firm for one of their big pieces of business. I have a food blog with my husband. My kids have a lot of food allergies. So we make literally everything from scratch. Allie and I have a podcast. I still find time to spend time with my husband and my girlfriends and my kids all the time. Um, I work out many times a week because it's my like therapy. So on paper, it's like, oh, this girl got her shit together. Like she does everything. And I hate that question because it makes me feel bad. I'm like, what am I missing out on that I'm not doing? But what you did with like, you know, recognizing you have two hours a day on the train, you're unhappy, you ran towards the light, right? You ran towards where you're in, from your expression, your creative integrity. 
-hmm. integrity is a big, important word. I feel like when we recognize when we are in alignment with our integrity and we're out of alignment with our integrity, everything kind of changes. I read this book recently by Martha Beck. Um, and it's like the journey to integrity or the pathway to integrity. Yeah. And she talks about Dante's Inferno and kind of the descent. And when you kind of hit rock bottom, as Ali mentioned, like in March of 2020, and I don't think you have to hit rock bottom to rise. I think you need to recognize that you're falling before you start rising. Um, and I know I'm kind of answering your question in a, in a roundabout way, but I think when you start recognizing what, what is your integrity, your authentic integrity, and recognize what lights you up, you have just as much time as Beyonce does in a day. Mm -hmm. You know, you find ways to do what you need to do. You find ways to outsource or forget about what you don't need to do. I have a hard time leaving the dishes in the sink. I've gotten accustomed to leaving them there and I'll do it in the morning. But you yeah. just find ways to make your day and your life work for you. But you kind of have to fail a couple of times and get out of your own way. And back to the start of this podcast, stop telling, like, stop with the stories. Mm -hmm. Stop with the stories of having the job, you know, you know, recognizing where your friends are at. We're all different pathways. Um, recognizing that your story is not someone else's story. Um, but I do, I do think that when you're in alignment with understanding what integrity, you know, what, what lights you up in that full body. Yes. I think that getting to the point of, of, of that makes it so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I feel like this is kind of a buzzword right now, but I, I, I heard this, um, from an audio book by the Disney CEO, right? Uh, don't let your ambition get ahead of your opportunity. And that really resonated with me a long time ago. I actually said it to my old boss. <laughs> he didn't know what to do with that. Um, you know, I was trying to make something out of a job that just wasn't within my integrity. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't going to change. It wasn't going to uh, morph into something that I needed it to be. Right. So you can have ambition. Ambitions are great. Right. And Meghan Markle's talking about it on a podcast with Serena Williams these days, but there's opportunity in every day. Yes, you need to have your basic needs met. Yes, you need to have health insurance. Yes, you need to, but that doesn't mean you can't pick up a book and start being inspired. It doesn't mean that you can't pick up your journal and just start writing three affirmations a day, right? These, these, these are, are, again, our shared teacher, she said, great shifts happen, happen in the micro shifts, right? It doesn't have to be, you don't have to take this masterclass, right? You just have to little, little pieces every day. I love it. And as we wrap up here today, because I know we're short on time, uh, two more questions. The first one is now that you're on this journey or now that you're continuing to go down this journey, uh, what is the best that can happen? What is one thing that as you look forward, you're very excited about? With the podcast? Okay. With anything, <laughs> yeah. but it could be the podcast. Yes. I think creating a soulful community um, and just like-minded folks and hopefully getting an opportunity to meet some of these amazing people in person and connecting in person. Um, but I, I will say the pandemic has taught me that connection and intimacy can be created even over the screen. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no lack of that. We are not lacking in, in connection these days. Um, 
but that's that's what I'm excited about. How about you, Tina? Yeah. I'm going to echo a lot of what Ali said. And for the podcast itself, you know, we've heard from folks in their 20s to people in their 70s that we've helped them look at life differently. So it's mm-hmm. really, really inspiring to hear that we're, you know, we're serving as, as this gateway for change for folks. My mother-in-law, she's amazing. She's like, you guys are a catalyst. Like you're a catalyst helping us think differently about life, even when we're at the third act of our life. Um, and I just think there's, you know, I'm excited about the fact that we are, the three of us, we're having this great conversation today. Like we mm-hmm. can get deep um, and it's not mainstream deep. It's just the reality of how I think a lot of our paths are going. And I love that we're able to, to help people access that in ways I don't think that they would have before. So I'm, I'm excited about continuing that conversation. I'm excited about, I mean, the people that listen to it and for ourselves, like I integrate this into my everyday life now. You know, fortune just lost fortune health. You know, I feel like more or fortune wellness, excuse me, people are going to like the work, the corporate world is get, going to continue to get more into the space. Yeah. And I cannot wait to see what's, what's ahead. And I'm just yeah. honored that Alan and I are kind of part of that little runway. Yeah. And I can't wait to see where you take it either. Uh, how can people find <laughs> what you're doing and follow along? So our website is soulfulstreaming.com and our podcast soulful streaming is available at every single, uh, podcast platform from apple to spotify audible everywhere so and we're also on, on instagram at, at soulful streaming so check us and out and we will share all that in the comments so thank you so much for joining us today and i hope you both have a wonderful rest of your week thanks for having thanks, us Martin. and that's our episode thanks so much that was wonderful yeah that was, that was fun, fun. You're such a good interviewer well, you are it's very kind of you to say uh yeah this was fantastic and i'm so i can't wait to get it out Hopefully next Wednesday, maybe the week after, depending on the editing. Um, But yeah, this is going to be great. Uh, Thanks again for your time today. And uh, I can't wait to see your next episode and keep in touch. Absolutely. And then we want to have you on ours. I sent a note about it. So we'll find a time to do that. That sounds super fun. (laughs) Look forward to it. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you found this conversation to be helpful, please like and subscribe wherever you are listening. We also appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us spread the word and get these ideas out to more job seekers looking to build their careers and improve their lives just like you. If you'd like to learn more about career therapy and see our different coaching options, you can head over to careertherapy.com to learn more. Thank you again for stopping by. We wish you all the best in the future of your career. Have a good one.